Thank you, Pastor. Well, good evening to you all, and I'm so glad to be with you this evening. Um, I'm delighted that the Lord has allowed us, uh, my wife and I, to be with you. My wife, Sharon, is, a, is with us here this evening, and uh, thankful for uh, the time the Lord has given us. Uh, the last few days, we were at a prayer conference, and uh, it was a, just a wonderful time just to get together, to, to just talk about what God is doing, and just how God has knit our hearts together, and uh, to pray, pray for our nation, uh, pray for our young people, pray for churches. I pray for unity, pray that God would raise men and women who would uh, be willing to serve the Lord in that capacity uh, to win people to Christ and get a revival in our churches. And I'm just so thankful for that time, thankful for the meals that we're prepared. Uh, you know, I don't know how, but my reputation has kind of uh, uh, gone, gone before me and uh, people were quite fussy about what kind of food they would cook at the prayer retreat. Uh, I think probably Pastor Hernan has said to them, listen, Pastor Mansell's quite fussy, he's a bit of a foodie, so uh, make sure you have some good meals for him. And uh, I just got to say, the ladies did an outstanding job. Thank you, ladies. Uh, you did a great job and uh, you fed us well and we, we just had a wonderful time. But I'm thankful for your pastor. I love him dearly. He's a great friend. Um, uh, you know, when uh, the time came for him to make a decision about coming to Queensland, it was a no-brainer, but part of me was like, I've lost a friend. But uh, not really. We didn't lose one another. We're still in contact. But I'm just thankful that what God is doing in him and through him in this place. And I really believe God needs you to be here, Brother Herman. And God is doing a great work. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to the Gospel of John, John, John chapter 4, and it's just so wonderful that you're here, out here again tonight. Uh, what a great message last night, Pastor Gus preached. Uh, you know, missions has to affect our minds and our thinking, and it's got to affect our hearts and what we feel, and that to endeavor to do God's work, and, but it might, it's not just something that we think about and something that we feel, but something that is in action with our hands, and, uh, and that was a real blessing to me last night, preacher. Thank you for that. Uh, tonight, uh, I want us to just have a look at John chapter 4, and maybe allow the Lord, allow the Spirit of God to change our perspective, change our perception, change, uh, change the way we think about missions. And uh, sometimes we, we look at missions, well, it's all about missionaries, it's about, you know, how much money can we raise, how much money can we get on the mission field, who can go, but I really believe missions uh, starts really in each one of us in our hearts. It's got to start here. Nothing's going to happen out there if it's not happening in here. And uh, the Lord Jesus takes this opportunity and uh, what life is really all about. And uh, so we look into this text this evening in John chapter 4. I'll give you a bit of a background. If you're able to stand in honor of reading God's word, Jesus uh, was going through. He left Judea in John chapter 4, verse 3, and departed again to Galilee. And he needs to go through Samaria. And then he comes to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar. We all know the story of when he met the Samaritan woman at the well and uh, the dialogue that took place. We won't have time to go through all of that tonight, but if you haven't read it, go ahead and read again John chapter 4. Again, be reminded of that story, wonderful story, where the Lord met with this woman and uh, told her about her life and how she was gloriously converted and believed on him as being the Messiah. And uh, what she did is she ran back into her village and said, Come see a man. Come see a man. I think that should be the response of every Christian. 
Once we know what the Lord had done for us, how he cleansed us, how he saved us, how we've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that should make us run and say, come and see a man. And this is the context of what we find today. All right, verse 31. In the meantime, while his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he, hath, and he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labour. Other men laboured, and ye are entered into their labours. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his words, shall we pray. Father, we just ask you tonight to be with us. Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God will fill this this place, this house. We pray that, Lord, you would calm our hearts. We pray, Lord, that we would not be distracted. Lord, I pray that the wicked one uh, would be far from this place. Set a hedge around about us right now, Lord, as we meditate upon your word and the instruction it is to us. I pray, Lord, that he would not rob us from the seed of God's word. I pray, Lord, that, we were, that the seed would fall tonight in good ground that it bear much fruit in our life. Lord, we need you in this hour. We need a fresh, fresh blessing from heaven. And we ask you to do amazing things in us this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I love missions. I love uh, getting involved in missions. Uh, I, I love the fact that the Lord has called us uh, to do a work I'm grateful that Christianity is not just about piety. How many people are thankful about that? Aren't you glad that, you know, real Christianity is not just about the way I cut my hair, the kind of clothes that I wear, how many times I go to church, how much I give in the offering plate. You know, it's not just about those things. And those things are good. Listen, let me just say to you, it is a good thing to be in God's house every time there's a meeting on. You know, I think we, we live in an age today where some people think about Christianity as a menu system. You know, you rock up uh, to McDonald's, you've got a menu. I'll have the number one, please, or I'll have the number two. And we begin to think about church and Christianity about the things that we will suit us. Right? I've got a menu system of what suits me and my family, and they're the things that we just tap into. But really, Christianity is not about consumerism. It's not about consuming Christianity. It's not about looking at your church and saying, well, you know, I like kids' clubs, my kids need it, or I need youth because my kids need it, or I like morning service because uh, that's when the best singing is happening. Uh, No, church is about all of us coming together, encouraging one another, growing together, and seeking what God's purpose is for us to achieve here on earth while we've got time to do so. And so where we sometimes need to recalibrate our thinking, recalibrate our our purpose and thinking about what church is really is about and what is my life all about and what should I be doing in my time that God has given me. 
And so uh, in this passage that we look to, look to tonight, Jesus is going to take this opportunity to teach his disciples some very fundamental, important truths that would change their life forever. And I pray that tonight we, we, we would be willing and say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Change my life. Uh, change my thinking. Help me, Lord, to understand what you would have from me. Lord Jesus uh, was uh, walking through, needing to go uh, to Galilee. And uh, so he passes through uh, Samaria and makes a, an intentional stop there at this, at this town called Sychar. And uh, there he meets that Samaritan woman. And uh, his disciples leave him and say, well, let's go depart and get something to eat. We've been walking around and uh, now we're, we're pretty hungry. Let's go into this town and get something to eat. But Jesus had another idea. He had other motives about stopping in that place. You know, sometimes we look at life uh, the way it is and the things that God brings across our, our pathways and and uh, we just carry on from day to day. We're just seeing it's just normal life, normal activity. But let me tell you, God is at work in your life. He's at work in my life. And he's bringing about sometimes a divine appointments. They're divine appointments. Sometimes we don't even recognize the appointments that God has made for us. Sometimes we don't see it. We don't even perceive it that God has brought someone across our path for a reason, for a purpose that we could just extend the gospel message to them and to help them out. How many people are glad somebody reached them with the gospel? Put your hand up. How many people are glad? Yeah, you know, I, I remember the, the gentleman who led me to Christ. I still have his picture in my mind, so I know who he is. I'm not going to tell you who he is, but I know who he is. And I thank the Lord for him. I thank God for what he did in reaching me with the gospel. I wonder whether you are grateful, whether you can still picture that person in your mind and say, you know, I'm thankful for that person that brought the gospel to me. Uh, that was a divine appointment. Uh, God met me at that juncture of my life, and that's when I came to know Christ as my Savior. What was, what, wasn't that a wonderful time? Wasn't that a wonderful time when we came to know Christ as our Savior? And so here the disciples come back after this uh, time that Jesus spent with this married woman, and uh, they had brought some food, and, and uh, they want to give him to eat, saying to him, Master, eat, verse 31. And he says unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. And they were a little bit puzzled, like we left you here alone. Uh, did anybody give you something to eat? Like, did somebody come and give you something to eat? And uh, Jesus says, in verse 34, says, He says unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. To finish his work. The first thing the Lord was trying to show them is that they needed to have an established purpose. There's a purpose for life, there's a purpose. He said, my purpose, uh, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And Jesus was very focused on what the Father had for him to do. Uh, Jesus did not go down rabbit holes. He didn't go chasing different uh, you know, paths. He, did, he didn't look at things and say, oh, well, that would be a good idea to get involved in and, and just digress from what God had for him. No, he said, I have to do the will of my Father. And I wonder whether tonight... If I could ask this question, if you were to survey your life, would you be saying, I am doing what God has called me to do? You know, oftentimes we're so engrossed with things that are, are being set for us or a purpose 
that has been defined for us, maybe by our family, by our parents. You know, uh, uh, you know growing up, that your parents said, well, you should go to university. Oh, oh you know, you, you, you're smart. You should be a lawyer or a doctor. And uh, we have these expectations uh, that are thrust upon us. Oh, oh maybe you struggle at school. You, you know, mate, buddy, forget university for you. Uh, go get it trained. Right? Isn't that what we say? But I wonder how many of us would say, would you, son, would you just consider, would you take time, and I will take time with you, and let's just consider what is God's purpose for your life. I wonder how much we would help our children to work out God's purpose and help them fulfill it in their life. I wonder whether we would take the time uh, to be alone with God and say, God, uh, I have this job that you've given me, I'm thankful for But Lord, I don't feel like that I'm satisfied with what I am doing. Lord, what is really your purpose in my life? Have you ever ever prayed that? Have you ever ever asked God what he would have for you? No, no, I'm not asking you to be always looking over the fence because the grass is greener on the other side, right? There are people who go through life doing that all the time. You know, they they start something off and and they're, you know, halfway through and they look, oh, maybe God wants me to do this. And they jump over to the other side and start doing that. Oh, maybe I should do that. And they constantly, their whole life is jumping from one thing to the other. But Jesus worked out and he understood what was the Father's purpose for him. And he said, my meat is to do the will of my Father. I'm going to ask you, church, tonight, what do you think God's purpose for you as a Christian is? What is God's purpose for you as a Christian? Have you worked that out? What is it that God would have you to do? What is it that God wants to achieve in, in you and through you? Have you worked that out? You know, it's sad that many Christians today will go through a whole life and they've never worked out exactly what God wanted from them. You know, we've got churches filled with people sitting in pews who enjoy the Sunday service or we enjoy the, the ministry of the church, but they still haven't worked out what God's purpose for their life is. Let me tell you, the greatest joy in your life would be is not because you've uh, got accolades academically. It's not because you've achieved, uh, you know, uh, material possessions. You've got a nice house. You live in the right postcode. You drive the nice car. You, you wear the nice clothes. You, you have kids through private schools. You see, these are not the achievements that God looks at and applauses. You see, we want Jesus to say, well done, that good and faithful servant. Jesus says to them, I have a meat that you don't know of. My meat is to do the Father's will. I wonder whether we have a purposed life that says, Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing to do. Lord, uh, there are many distractions in my life, and there are distractions, are there not? Can I say, can I be honest? Like, well, we have distractions in this uh, in this country of us, this great country of Australia, one of the biggest distractions that we have is called sport. Right? Come on, let's be honest. There's nothing wrong with sport. I love sport. But you know what happens when sport becomes to dominate our life? There's a problem. When the only thing I can speak about is my football team or, you know, my soccer team or whatever team, and then the basketball team, if all my conversation is dominated by sport, I've missed my purpose. Would you agree with that? You see, uh, Jesus didn't uh, say to them, hey, fellas, uh, tell me what food did you find? Did you get some kebabs? Did you get some lamb? Did you get... He said, that's not my meat. 
that that's not what I'm here for. And I wonder whether you could say, my life here on earth is for a reason, it's for this purpose. I'm here, God saved me, that I could reach somebody else with the gospel. I wonder whether that just, uh, uh, just kind of takes over our whole thinking and takes over our whole purpose and, and uh, everything that we do in life, is it, is it pointing in that same direction? Uh, do I place my life's uh, ambitions, uh, uh, my, is my life's desire uh, and all that I work for, is it all being focused in the one direction? Sometimes we get very distracted with careers, we get distracted with making money, we get distracted with, you know, just accumulating. And, and let me just say, church tonight, uh, if God blesses you with that, I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, the, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrows with it. That's not the problem. The problem is not that God gave it to me. The problem is, what is my heart chasing? What are you chasing? Now, how many people say, we believe the Lord's coming very soon? Did you say that? Well, what are you doing? What are you doing? How are you using everything that God's given you with this one purpose, establishing this purpose of seeking someone out and leading them to Christ? You know, it's sad, many Christians will go throughout their whole life and maybe never get to lead one soul to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you this question tonight. Have you led someone to Jesus? Have you, have you had an opportunity in your lifetime to pray with someone and lead them to Christ? That's a sobering thought. Because everything else that you've worked for and tried to achieve here on earth, it's all going to stay behind, you know that. Like your, your last home is staying here, right? You do really well. Leave it for the Jehovah's Witnesses. They want to inherit the earth. <laughs> yeah, everything's going to expire, but it's only those things that are eternal that matters. I wonder whether our purpose is focused on things that matter eternally. What focus the Lord Jesus wanted to show them that his purpose was to do the... Fu- the Father's will, <clears throat> pardon me, and that is to win people, to help people. And he helped that woman greatly that day. Now, time, it's time for us to begin to look around us. It's time for us to, to look at people the way God sees them. And it's time for us to, to remove all our racial, right, or cultural um, oppositions and uh, begin to minister to people regardless of who they are. Now, I know we have rivalry between Queensland and New South Wales, but we love you. Honestly, we still love you. But, you know, sometimes we look at people in different towns or different, different ethnicity and, and we begin to say, you know what, I don't know that I can get along with these people. I, I'm not sure that, you know, this, this, this people group, they're just a little bit too difficult. Uh, you know, uh, they, they're just, their priorities are not like mine, their lives are not like ours, and, and, and you know, I don't think I'm, fe- I don't feel that I am at call to minister to such a group. Now you say, who, who would say that? Let me tell you, every Christian, we've got to be careful that we're not biased in our thinking. Sometimes we look at someone's face and say, uh, yeah, that's not for me. 
Or we look at somebody with their origin and say, yeah, let somebody else do that. Yeah, that's what it was in that case there. Uh, that was Samaritan. She was a Samaritan. And the Samaritan and the Jews never got on with each other. Now, you can imagine, here, here are uh, the disciples thinking, like, why did we do a stop in this place? Like, you, you know, who would come here anyway? We have nothing to do with these people. What, what is Jesus thinking? And so here the Lord shows them that his purpose, God's purpose, is that for every man, every man needs to hear the gospel. You know, he, his will is that none should perish, but that it would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I wonder whether you are on God's page in that way. I wonder whether you think the way God is thinking. I wonder whether your life has the same purpose to what God wants for us to do as a church. See, we can easily get on board with many things. We can easily get spurred to, to you know, make a good living. We, we can easily get spurred to join a team. We can easily get spurred to uh, achieve some great goals here on earth. Uh, but I wonder how many of us are spurred to say, no, you know what? I want my life to count. I want to be someone who takes the gospel and reaches people so that they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus, just like how I was reached. Some of us are so grateful that we're saved, but that's all we're content with. I'm content that I'm saved. But I wonder whether we have a burden to reach someone just like somebody had a burden to reach me. And we get too comfortable as Christians. We get too comfortable in our life. We get too comfortable with things that are happening and we just want to make a living. We just want to survive that we forget what is God's purpose for me. What is God's purpose for me? I can't tell you what God's purpose is for you directly. And you and God can work it out. But I can tell you, it includes reaching people with the gospel. No matter where God has placed you, 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 might, be, you might be someone who's in an, in an office and uh, you, God has placed you there for a reason. Reach the people who you work with. Somebody who sits in the cubicle next to you, someone who's across the hallway from you, you need to shine the gospel light to every creature. Uh, you're a tradie. Well, you go from place to place. Guess what? You're going to meet a lot more people. And what should you do? You should use what the places that God sends you to to be a light, to live right, and to share the gospel. See, there's a purpose. I wonder whether you have worked out God's purpose for you. What does God want from me? Not only did the Lord help them to establish a purpose, but he also showed them a, an esteemed priority. There's a, there is a priority in this. Have a look with me in verse 35. He says to them, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Well, you know, uh, they knew the times, they knew the seasons. Uh, they knew that, you know, uh, there's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. Uh, they could look at the sky and, and tell what kind of day will bring. Uh, uh, they can look at the weather and say, okay, we're, we're in winter, or we're in spring, we're in autumn, we're, we're in summer. And let me tell you, a farmer, as someone who's in agriculture, would know what he needs to do in every season. If you get it wrong, you're not going to get a harvest. Did you know that? I mean, if you don't plow and get the ground ready in the right time, in the right season, and you sow the seed in the wrong season, you are not going to get a harvest. And he said to them, you can distinguish the times, uh, but why is it that you're not seeing the time that you're living in right now? We all know that, you know, we need to send our kids to school. That's all preparation, right? 
We know that's a season. It's a season. Uh, those of us who've got little kids, uh, I was talking to Brother Chung the, the other day, uh, yesterday, about the baby not letting you sleep. It's a season. How many people are glad they're over that season? Amen. Amen. Brother, you just enjoy it. <laughs> but there's a season for everything, right? There's a season, the Bible tells us there's a season to plant. There's a season to water. There's a season to reap. There's a season for everything. And so Jesus here is saying to them, listen, we, there is a priority to the season that we're in. And I think if we look around us, folks, if we're truly honest, we, when we look around us and look at our nation, we all can agree and say, this is a very important season. Uh, when, uh, when our politicians are trying to make legislations of things that are light of God's word, it's an important season. When our kids have been taught things in our schools that go against God's word, it's an important season. This is the season for it. You know, sometimes we think, you know, it's all okay now, it's fine. When it gets really worse, that's when Christians should stand and be counted. Let me tell you, if we don't learn to stand today and get involved today, you're not going to stand when it's going to be quite bad at the end. You know that? If you keep postponing, if you keep saying, uh, you, you know, uh, well, there's others who can take care of it, or, or pastors should do this, or the deacons should do that, or another church should do that. Listen, it's time to understand the season that we're in right now. Today is the day of salvation. The Lord wants us to reach people today. And look, I'm glad to hear of your endeavors <coughs> inviting people to hear to you Easter weekend. And that's wonderful. That's recognizing the hour. That's recognizing that people around us in this neighborhood need to know the gospel message. But you know, it goes beyond that. Do you know it goes beyond that? I'm glad you got to put a, 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 a leaflet in somebody's letterbox, but let me tell you, there's somebody who has sat next to you for the last three, four years that still hasn't heard the gospel from you. The hour is now. It is now. This is the time. This is the time where we have to have a burden. We, we need to pray. We need to ask the Lord to help us in this season. And if you do not, if you miss the season, we're going to regret it. We're going to regret it. The Bible says in, uh, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 10. Verse 5 says, He that gathereth in summer is what? <coughs> is a wise son. But he that sleepeth in the harvest is a son that is causes shame. This is not time for us to get asleep. This is not the time just to enjoy life and enjoy being a Christian. You'll do that when we get to heaven. But we've got work to do today. We've got work to do today. Today is the time, today is the time for us to get up and get going. Uh, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4 says, He that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regards the clouds shall not reap. You know sometimes what we do? Uh, we say, well, it's not time. Uh, I, I don't feel led yet. I don't think it's the right time. God wants me to do other things. No, no. You see, if you're just going to keep postponing, 
If you're just going to keep saying, tomorrow, tomorrow I will, tomorrow comes and you will never do. Uh, if you look at the season, uh, he says, you know, anyone who consider, consider, considers the wind uh, will not sow. Listen, sometimes we look at the conditions around us and the circumstances around us or where we are at work or in our neighborhood or in our families, and we, you know what sometimes we say? This is not the right time for us to share the gospel. Have you said that? It just hasn't been the right time. You know, the right time will never come. You know, when we begin to think that way, that is not the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Uh, that is the opposer of God trying to discourage us from preaching the gospel. The priority is now. This is the time to get involved. Uh, we only have a window of opportunity that is today uh, for us to rise up and go and get involved with reaching people with the gospel. Jesus said to them, Are there not yet four months and then come with the harvest? Have you, you can discern the times, but you can't discern what I'm trying to do here. You can, you can discern the time for the harvest, but you're still wondering why we stopped here in Sika. You're still wondering why I had a conversation with this woman. I pray that tonight we would have an esteemed priority to reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The time is now. The time is more important for us today as churches, as individuals, uh, to bear that shame and take that uh, gospel message and uh, take it to every person that we know. Listen, folks, the effectiveness of church is not how well we gather together. Do you think about that? All we think about is, what a great service. Oh, church is amazing because we sing great songs. Oh, uh, Pastor's a great preacher, and, and it's a wonderful time. And listen, that's great that we can have that, but the effectiveness of church is not about how we gather. It's about what we do when we go into our communities. That's where the power of church is, how we live it out there. Hey, you can praise the Lord and you can say amen and, and uh, you know, just cheer and thank God, and, but when you go outside and you do nothing, you've, you've effectively are ineffective. May the Lord help us today to understand that there is a priority. There is a priority for us to be involved in reaching people with the gospel. Thirdly, I want you to see Jesus showed them an elevated perspective. An elevated perspective. He said, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are wide or ready to harvest. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Uh, when you lift your eyes, uh, you gain a better perspective. You see things that you've never seen before. Uh, you know, uh, our, our daughter, our youngest daughter, she's, uh, she's quite petite. And uh, you look at her, she's uh, 23, but you think she's 14. And uh, I always some, make fun of her sometimes. I kind of get down, and, and she's like, you know, a little bit short. And I go down and say, I wonder what the world looks like from your perspective. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, she gets on a bit of a stool, and she gets up and she says, so this is what it looks like from up here. You know, you get a bit of a better perspective when you raise your eyes up a little bit. When all of life, if all you see is your own problems, when all you see is what you need to do and how I'm going to get through this day and how I'm going to get through life and how I'm going to educate the kids and how I'm going to put food on the table, if that's all you see, then you are self-centered. Your life is all about you. Your life is all about you. Jesus said, no, no, I want you to just get a better perspective. I want you to see that God is at work 
and that there is a better viewpoint from up there than what there is from down here. Remember when uh, I was learning how to drive, um, uh, I, I would uh, just, you know, I was on my L plates and, and, uh, and I would just look at the front of the bonnet, right, right, just right in front of the car. Right? And, uh, and uh, the, the driving instructor said to me, listen, uh, you're not going to know how to steer the vehicle if all you did is just look what's just right in front of you. You've got to read the road, right? You've got to look ahead. Yeah, you've got to be aware of what's coming, what's, where you're going, what's behind you. You've just got to have awareness of everything around you. Now, uh, I don't know if any of you have driven in a country where there are no rules when you drive. Any of you been to those kind of countries? Uh, let me tell you, uh, uh, um, I was born in Lebanon. Uh, I came here when I was nine, and we went back in 2004 for the first time. Took my wife and kids, uh, you know, and there, there are no traffic rules. Like, if you can find a spare bitumen, you can drive. <laughs> uh, they have lanes, they have la but lanes mean nothing. Like, you can just go wherever you want. You know, the traffic is just moving around. Uh, Sharon would never sit in the front seat. I mean, she would be panicking the whole way. Her hands are sweaty. She'll say, no, I'd rather sit in the back, and I don't want to know what's going on. It's chaotic. But you've got to have, for you to drive in those countries, you've got to have general awareness of what everybody is doing on the road. I mean, if you're only focused about yourself, you're sure to have a crash. And when you drive, you've got to understand what everybody else is doing. And I think what Jesus is trying to show us is life is not just about us. It's not just about me. It's not just about my household. It's about everything else that's around. How am I going to be, how am I going to impact I'm going to impact others. I know where everybody's going, what everybody's doing. I, I know generally where they are. How am I going to influence their life? Jesus said to them, you know, um, lift up your eyes. If you lift up your eyes, you'll see some things that you never saw before. Uh, if you take your eyes off yourself, you're going to see things that God sees. And, and, I, and I love what you've got up here. You say, across the street and across the world. Across the street and across the world. And, and my friends, if, if you're not uh, participating in reaching people with the gospel, if you don't have a passion and a burden for people to be one uh, with the gospel here in front of you in your church, don't tell me you have an interest to reach somebody who's in India or is in Thailand or is in Asia or is in Africa. Come on, let's be honest. And we talk about missions, we talk about, you know, we want to reach the world with the gospel, we want to go across the street, across the world. Yes, it must start right here, across the street. And when you have a burden for people right here across the street, God will develop that and give you a burden for somebody who is across the world. The reason why we lack in missions today, you know, I stop and think and say, well, how many missionaries do we, as Australians, do we have out on the field? Have you ever thought about that? Would it be more than 10? Would it be more than 20? Think about it. I don't think it's a large number. Put it that way. I don't think we can say we've got hundreds of people on the mission field that have come out of Australia to reach, the people, to reach people of the gospel. The reason why we are struggling even as churches here in Australia is, you know why? Because we have lost sight of the burden of reaching our own people. If, we're not, if we don't have a burden to reach people here, how are we going to reach people across the world? Somebody tell me how that works. You know, the only way it works is when we put our money in and say, that's pacified my conscience. I've done my part. I've given my money. 
I don't have a burden anymore. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. You see, may God generate in our own lives this burden uh, that we would see people the way God sees them and the significance of their life and, and go reach them one by one. I love that song we sang last night, the class song. One by one, we must reach the world for Jesus. How? One by one. Now you look at that, you say, well, that's a massive task. How do, how do we do it? It's a massive task. Well, you know, 12 people t- turned the world upside down back in Jesus' day. They were passionate. They understood what God had purpose for them, and they went and did it. Imagine what could happen. Imagine what could happen in Albany Creek. Imagine if each one of us had this burden and prayed and asked God for that direction, and we had that purpose, and we went out and did what God wanted us to do. I wonder what great revival could happen in this town. I wonder whether, you know, in a year's time, we'll come back and say, man, we've got no room. We're busting at the scene. That, hey, pastor, it's time to maybe knock this hole or build a bigger hole. We, we, we can't feed everybody here anymore. Wouldn't that be an amazing thought? Now, you say, well, you're just dreaming, pastor. You know what? Why is it just a dream? Why can't it be reality? You know, has, has our God changed? I don't know. Somebody tell me. Has God changed the agenda? Has he changed his purpose? Has he changed his will? Has he kind of turned off the power switch and said, you can't have it in Australia? I don't believe God has changed. But it's us. It's us. Do we esteem a great priority? Do we have a different perspective to life and understand what God wants to do in us and through us. Our God is still powerful. Our God can still do the impossible. But our lack of belief is what limits him. I wonder whether the Lord would give you an elevated perspective tonight. Lastly, I want you to see that he taught them that there needs to be equal participation. We're all in this together. Look what he says, verse 36. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth, and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Now the Lord wants us to see that the burden of reaching the world is square upon every shoulder. It's not the pastor's job that he's the one who goes and wins souls. It's not the deacon's problem to go out there and door knock or to lead someone to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, the responsibility of winning people to Christ lays squarely on each one of us. I wonder who's the weak link in the chain tonight. Who's the weak link? Maybe the Lord would have you today make a decision to say, Lord, I want to be involved in your field. I want to do my part. Each one of us has a part to play. 
Each one has a part to play. And, that, you know, the church at Corinth got a little bit divisive, you know, about their leadership. I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Paul, and I'm of Jesus Christ. And that Paul had to write in 1 Corinthians 3 and say to him, who is Apollos and who is Paul? I have planted, Apollos has watered, but it is God who gives the increase. You see, but each one of us had a part to play. You see, we all need to do our part. We all need to get involved. We need to get involved in reaching people, loving people, ministering to them. No, no, it's not the pastor's job that he would just invite people to his house. Right? It's not just the pastor's job. It's your job. And it's not the pastor's job, nor is it the church's job, to help someone out who is a little bit needy. Don't bring it to pastor and say, Pastor, this person is, uh, you know, needs a bit of help. Can, can the church, and can you help them? Have you, have you thought maybe God put them across your path? Maybe it is you who needs to minister to them. We all need to do our part. And so here, the Lord Jesus is saying to them, listen, listen, listen up quickly here. Each one who does their part will receive their wages. Nobody's going to miss out. This is not a hierarchy scheme, you know, like, you know, those uh, where the, if you buy, the guy above you gets a cut and the guy above him gets another cut and then there's another cut. You know, you all, we will all share in to what God will do. You will get your part. As long as you've done your part, the Lord will honor that and he, you will receive your wages. You know, you know, ministry is not competition. It's not a competition. It's not about, oh, look how many people I, can, I brought to the Lord or, or, or look at what size of church I have and, and look at the kind of people that I have. No, no, it's not a competition. See, the field is the Lord's. We're just privileged that we can labor in it. And uh, if we do our part and we're faithful, if we just plant and we water together and pray earnestly that God will give us a harvest, that's what we need to do. Can you imagine with me what it would be like as a church if you did that? Imagine if we got together and said, you know what, these are a list of names that we are currently working on. I'm, I'm trying to lead this person, and I'm working with this person, I'm meeting up with this person. And imagine if you had a list like that as a church, and you came together, you fasted the whole day, and you came together that night, and you prayed over those names. Imagine what it would be like if, uh, if I had someone uh, that, that I wanted to reach and, and he's quite academically strong or he's got a lot of arguments and I don't know how to answer, but I'd say, Pastor, would you join me? Would you come with me and let's meet this person? Now, I'm sure Pastor Hernan is busy as he is. If, he, if you say to him, we're going to meet someone to, lead, to share the gospel, I'm sure he'll drop everything and meet with you. Why? Because that's our burden, that's our heart. And you might find another person, you might say, hey, would you come with me? Would you pray with me? Would you help me? I'm reaching this person. Can you imagine what it would be like as a church if we did that? You see, we're not going to have a burden for missions outside if we can't learn to work together inside. You're not going to work with a missionary on a foreign field who you just get his prayer letters and be concerned about it if we haven't learned to work together here together as a church. 
And so the Lord Jesus is saying, showing them, listen, just get involved. Be part of this. And that everyone will get their reward. Every one of you will get for what you do. The sower and the reaper rejoice together. That's what he said. If you were the one who sowed the seed and you didn't get to reap the harvest, but you heard somebody else prayed with him, don't say, oh, that was all my work. I'm the one who spent all the time with him. I'm the one. Listen, we rejoiced because the angels in heaven are rejoicing. What are you griping about? Rejoice. Rejoice that someone came to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior. I think, imagine I was envisaged, I'm going I'm to go put a bell in my, in my church, and every time we hear somebody say, we're going to just ring that bell. And we want everybody to know that somebody came to Christ. And I want the whole congregation to say, praise the Lord. I want everybody to rejoice. We ought to rejoice. You know, when pastor says, uh, Brother Haycock last night said, uh, uh, someone came to know Christ, that should set you on fire and say, praise Jesus. I mean, you need to do a song and dance, but I won't do it in front of you. But, you know, just thank the Lord. Somebody came to know Jesus. Yeah, we need that excitement again. Yeah, we're, we're a little bit afraid because the charismatics have got it. No, no, no. That joy of the Lord is for us. Rejoice. Enter into somebody's labor. You see, Jesus said, he said, I have sent you. Herein is that true saying, one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereon ye bestowed no labor. Sometimes you get the privilege of leading someone to Christ or entering into a ministry that you probably never did a lot of hard work on. But sometimes you're doing all the hard work. But don't worry about it. Just keep going. Don't give up. Uh, it's the Lord who gives the increase. Sometimes we get a little bit frustrated because I'm trying and trying and trying. Nothing's happening. Listen, you might be the guy who is plowing the ground. Don't lose sight of that. Somebody around might come around with the gospel over the seed and plow that seed and, and that somebody will be watering. You might be watering it. Or maybe you might have the joy of reaping that harvest. Uh, no matter what part of that, uh, of that cycle it is, just get involved. Get involved. I like what Brother Jim is doing and he goes out back or, well, Gimpy is not really out back, is it? But, uh, you know, just having that passion to plant churches and win people to Christ. Now, you can sit there in your pews and say, well, that's his ministry. Thank God that that's his ministry. I'm not made to go out back. Listen, I can't go where it's 43 degrees. You're going to have to make me a suit that is air-conditioned or whatever, like, yeah, for me to survive in those places. But God made you that way, Brother Jim, and thank God for that. But, you know, I can enter into his labor, Right? I can enter into his labor. I, I, I can pray. I, I can give. I, I can encourage. I can say, okay, what resources you need? Uh, well, you know, what, what can I do to advance that ministry? Each one of us can do that. Each one of us can do that. Do your part. Do your part. Hey, has God filled your wallet up? Well, praise the Lord. What are you doing with it? Oh, I'm going to buy the new and the latest motor vehicle. No. Oh, I'm going to upgrade my house. No. Oh, I'm just going to go through this wonderful holiday. I'm going to spend 100000 on my holiday. No. If there's a need that God shows you, learn to restrain yourself and think about what God has put in your hands to help advance the gospel. And if you're doing that and then God gives you more, then go on your holiday. Does that make sense?
Right? Does that make sense? You, you hear what I'm saying? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going on your holiday, right? Don't, don't say you're weird, Pastor. I can't go on. No, I'm saying if you put your money in the right place first and God adds that to you, then go and enjoy it. But you know what? We get our priorities the wrong way around. But we, we've got money. We're spending it all on ourselves. And then when it comes to the work of God, oh, I, I don't have much money left over. I can't afford it. See, if we were focused in our purpose, as the Lord Jesus showed us early on, I wonder how that will change the way we spend our money. Is it right to say that? Hey, I'm only a visitor here. If you have any problems with what I say, see pastor afterwards. <laughs> but come on, let's be honest. Right? We're all, we've, been, we've been programmed in this, in this country of ours that if I have my first house, I need to work really hard to have a second house. I need an investment property. Right? How many of us have been thought that? I've got to work really hard. I'm going to go on that pedal and I'm going to work really, really, really high. Why? Because I need to buy another property. Well, how many properties do you want to live in? No, not, nothing wrong with having an investment property, right? Please. If God has added to you, nothing. But if that's your whole life purpose is to work really hard so you can have more assets and you can just accumulate. And you, and, and you know what? Satan's got, got you exactly where he wants you to be because you're just preoccupied with the things of the world. Now, we're all facing increase in interest rates, right? We're all facing it. And what, that, what does that mean? We're all going to have to pedal a little bit harder, don't we? What are you pedaling for? Think about it. What are you pedaling for? What are you pedaling for? Why not, why not start pedaling to see some great things that God will do in advancing the gospel? Maybe get involved in supporting your local church in a greater way. Maybe have a heart for a missionary somewhere that needs a lot of help. You see, God is increasing and bringing fruits, but they just feel like they're strapped. They cannot advance the ministry because they don't have the resources. They haven't got churches that are willing to get behind them and say, okay, what does this cost? We're prepared to get behind you. <coughs> wonder whether you have that vision. Wonder whether you have that perspective. Wonder whether when we get to heaven, God's going to say, Well done. You did really well. You invested your money wisely. You've got four homes. You've got 10 cars. Your kids went to the best schools. And uh, you've done really well for yourself. Well done. Well done. Well done. You know, we laugh at that, don't we? Because we know that's not going to happen. Right? So we, we laugh at it and we say, That's not going to happen. But that's how we live. How about getting really serious with God? Getting serious with God tonight. And say, God, change my perspective. Change my priority. Change the way that I think about my involvement in reaching people with the gospel. God, would you give me the urgency to understand how important it is in this hour for such a time as this where you have placed me that I can reach someone with the gospel. wonder whether when we get to heaven and we stand before Jesus, we can rightly say, Lord, I've done all that I could. Lord, I've done all that I could. What time 
what resources. I did it and I used it all to advance the gospel. I did all that I could. I'll be honest with you, I'm going to struggle to say those words. I'm going to struggle to say I did all that I could. But I wonder whether the Spirit of God will spur us tonight. Will help us to see, to see a purpose that God has for us. Wonder whether we would have an established purpose that the Lord will establish for us. And we know it. We know exactly what the Lord wants from us. But let's get up and get it done. Let's see the priority and the need of the hour. Let's get up there and let's do it. Let's, let's not keep putting it off. Wonder whether God would show us people around us with their needs the way He sees it. Wonder whether, as a church collectively, we will all be burdened about reaching people in our vicinity. Wonder whether tonight we will all shoulder shoulder the, the work of advancing the gospel side by side. Lord, I'm going to do my part. I wonder whether we will take that responsibility tonight and say, Lord, I want to do my part and I want to be faithful in it. Because that's what missions is at the end of the day. Across the street, across the world, I want to do my part. Let's pray. All heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you time to respond to God's word tonight. I want to give you a moment to pray and truly seek the Lord. Has the Lord spoken to you tonight? Has the Lord challenged you tonight about what is the purpose of your life? And you want to make a decision about that tonight. The altar is open as the music plays. I want you to pray. Come. Take the time. This is the time. We have mission conference for a reason. Not that we raise money for missions, but no, that we get right. We get the vision of God right. We get our perspective right. We, we, we get the burden that God has, and, and we get right with him. This is the time for you to come. Uh, don't, don't wait. Don't wait. Don't, don't procrastinate any further. There might be a young person here tonight that says, you know what, the Lord wants me. I know I have a calling, there's a burden. I know that the Lord wants me in the ministry, but I'm still resisting because I'm trying to weigh out my options. Listen, if God calls you, that is your only option tonight. Get involved. Do your part. When I ask you parents tonight, you got children, I want you to begin to promote and encourage your kids to be in the ministry. Let's stop this about, oh, you should be a tradesman, or you should go to university. How about we start saying, son, there's such a need out there, and you see my life, how I'm reaching people. Would you consider serving the Lord in a full-time capacity? And we as a family would be honoured. We would be honoured to know that God has raised one of our children to be involved in ministry. Is there a mum, is there a dad today that will come and pray for their kids in that way? We'll say, Lord, we give you our children. Lord, if you would just touch one of them, if you raise one, we would be honoured, Lord, to hand them to you.
that they would serve you in any capacity. Would there be a mum and dad that would pray that tonight? Today is the